0: Welcome to the Heroes in Our Midst podcast. I'm Michelle Sawatsky-Coop, and I just might say this for every episode, but I'll say it again. I am very excited to share today's story with you. This episode is brought to you by Elite Sports Injury. With five locations in Winnipeg, they are here when you need physiotherapy or massage therapy. Your body's worth it. Make the time for yourself. Okay, so our guest today is Dr. Vanessa Martinez-Lagunas, what a great name. Vanessa has been the head coach of the University of Manitoba Bison women's soccer program since 2013 where she has led them to the playoffs each of the last five seasons. Now she holds a PhD in sports science and her playing resume extends across the world stage from her hometown of Toluca, Mexico all the way to Germany. Internationally, she represented her native Mexico from 1999 to 2004, and she reached the pinnacle of her playing career during her spell with the Bundesliga Giants Bayern in Munich in the 2007-2008 season. Uniquely, she knew early on that she wanted to be a coach when she was done on the playing field, and that was not her only goal. She had big dreams, and even when everyone said she was crazy, she did it anyway. So now it's time for her to tell you her story from the very beginning. Vanessa, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Of course, Michelle. Well, thank you so much first for inviting me. I'm really excited to, to share this story with you. Uh, well, I'm originally from Mexico and I grew up in a middle income family in Mexico. I'm the oldest uh, daughter um, and, and I have three more siblings and uh, I grew up in a very little town uh, close to Mexico City. Um, the name of the of the main uh, capital city of the state where I am from is called Toluca. And that's the main city where my family is from. But I, I was born in or I live, I, I grew up in a small town called Calixlahuaca, And there were pyramids there. So it was a very exciting uh, childhood because we could go and play, go to the little mountain and go and play in the pyramids with other kids. I think, you know, my memory from my childhood is a lot of free time to play, not a lot of worry, you know, uh, where you are and what you're doing. So lots of playing time with kids. And, um, you know, my story with involvement in sport, started around 10 years old, when my brother, my oldest brother, so I'm the oldest, but then I have an oldest brother and a youngest brother and a sister. My oldest brother introduced me to soccer. And uh, after school, we will, uh, I will go with him to play with his friends. And first, I would watch only. I would watch them play, and I was like, oh, that sports looks amazing. I like it. Um, but, you know, I was very shy, and I will just look at them playing. And then my brother will tell me, come and play with us. You know, so he invited me and I was like, "Okay, I'll give it a try. I was very bad at the beginning. I could not you know, hit the ball and and some of his friends started uh, making fun of that. So um, I have always been very competitive. So when, um, you know, his friends started making fun of me, just something inside me told me I'm going to practice really hard until I can be better than them, you know? So I did that. And then every day we would go and play, you know, on the playground, basically. And sometimes we would spend up to four hours just playing little games and just with kids. There were no adults involved. It was something called like street football. And I got really good, Michelle. So I practiced and practiced with my brother. And there was a time that they call us um, the golden... Uh, couple because we couldn't they couldn't beat us you know or the golden uh, siblings because uh, they couldn't beat us we could play with each other with eyes closed and we would beat all their kids and all that stuff and that was how I grew up playing
0: mm-hmm. and
1: then I fell in love with the sport and starting playing at higher levels through school through high school then through university and when I was 16 years old I made a, a tryout for the uh, national team in Mexico And I made it. But I need to say that before getting to these levels, just getting involved in in the sport as a female in Mexico at that time was very hard because it was seen as a male only sport, you know, and, and, and it was not very well seen that a girl was playing with boys, you know, only with boys. Uh, I was always protected by my brother, you know, I was always supported by my mom, especially and my dad, that said, if you like to play, go for it, you know, don't listen to what other people say. If you like it, go do it. And that's how I started. And then I was lucky, you know, to have the tryout with the national team. Then I was able to to stay involved with the national team, national team from 1999 until 2004, and then I, I uh, went also to university and play university soccer first in Mexico, then in the U S and my story started, you know, going to different countries and trying to challenge my, myself, trying to learn a different language, uh, learn a different culture and keep improving, just getting to environments that would make me better. You know, a better, a better human, a better person. And first, my first, um, I will say challenge outside home was to go to Monterrey, which is a, a northern city in Mexico, which is about 12 hours away from my home. So that was my first move to university to play university soccer. I got a full scholarship to, to play there. It's a, a very prestigious um, private school in Mexico. And I was the first female that was awarded a full scholarship including tuition, accommodation, food. It was very, very cool because it was you know, the first time that the school would support in full a, a female athlete. and I'm really proud to say that because after that you know more support came for other sports, not only for soccer but for many other sports. Um, and then you know after my great experience at the university level, I, I was there in that university for two years. And then um, I was really interested to keep learning, to keep improving. I went to med school there, Michelle. So my interest was was to do medical school. And that's why I went there because only that, that campus had medicine in Monterey. But then I learned, I didn't know this when I started, that in the third year, I needed to stop playing soccer because I needed to start doing, you know, like the hospital stays and practice, practicums. So I talked to my coach and I said, coach, I really want to continue playing. I really want to keep studying and combining soccer because I'm still young. I don't know what I will be doing in the future. He was very supportive. And, you know, I started looking at what I could do. And then I found out that in the U.S. there was a program called kinesiology that it was close to what i wanted i wanted to study sports medicine so i wanted something as close as possible to what i wanted to do so i decided to move from medicine to kinesiology and exercise physiology in general and i decided to move to the university of texas at austin and i had the opportunity to move there complete my undergraduate undergraduate degree in kinesiology and exercise physiology. And I was able to play for the University of Texas at Austin, also in soccer, really good level division one team, fantastic experience for me. I didn't speak English as uh, very well at that time, to be honest, Michelle, so I have lots of, um, you know, Uh, stories where my coach would say something, I would understand something else. And and sometimes it was a bit chaotic, but my teammates were super useful, uh, super helpful, excuse me. And they will always say, hey, Vanessa, don't worry, do this, do that. And yeah, I finished, you know, my undergrad. I stayed there for my master's degree. And then I decided to go to another country, Germany, uh, to keep challenging myself. Um, The US and Germany at that time were top countries in women's soccer. And I always wanted to learn from the best. I wanted to know why can these countries be so good in women's uh, football, how it's called in the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to challenge myself. So I prepared almost two years in advance to, move, to do the move to Germany. And the main, the main way I could do it was to do a PhD in sports science. So I continued my education and I wanted to also become a coach. Um, and, and I moved to Germany, uh, started a PhD. I did all my coaching um, levels or, or licenses in the US. I did, I think, five of them, which is, um, you know, it took me about five years to do that. Yeah. And then another five years to do them in, in, in Germany. And um, to, you know, to, to not make the story too long, because I'm pretty sure you have many questions Um, You know, once I moved to Germany, completed the PhD, at the same time I I was combining it with still playing, Um, you know, I was able to still play professional soccer in Germany. Uh, My first arrival was with Bayern Munich with six months, which was a fantastic experience. That's the city where I arrived first um, to do my PhD, but then my advisor moved to a different city called Leipzig. And because my scholarship, I got a scholarship from the Mexico government to study abroad was connected to the advisor. So if the advisor would move to a different university, I needed to move with the advisor as well. So he moved to Leipzig and in Leipzig, there was another club called Lokomotiv Leipzig. And that's where I finished my playing career. So I finished playing for Lokomotiv Leipzig in the second Bundesliga. So the second highest division in Germany. And then I retired in 2011. And because I had already been doing my coaching licenses at that time, when I retired in 2011, I think it took me just one more year, 2012, to complete the highest coaching license that um, is provided right now uh, in Europe. It's called the UEFA Pro License. And I did it uh, through the German Federation in German. I had to learn German to to do this and and do the move to, to, to Germany. Um, So I became the first female, the first female Latin American woman to obtain the UFA pro license through the German Federation. So I'm really proud of that. And it was a lot of work. Uh, But once I finished that, Michelle, I heard about the opportunity here in Canada and is when I came in 2013. So that's, you know, in short, a little bit of of the story the you know, of many, many years in, in a few minutes
0: yeah that's incredible i think i think mostly what's standing out for me is how did you do it all and in all these different languages i mean the drive behind your desire to be the best at this must have been so strong for you now when you were a little girl when you were only a girl and you were playing was that always all with boys yes yeah. well when i was when i started yes i play only with
1: boys since i was 10 years old until about 13 because yeah. there were there were not girls no women uh playing the sport or very 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 few so if i wanted to play it was just with boys and then i think it was until i was 13 that a, a, a women's team was created uh one of my uncles created the team actually and i was playing with women i was very fortunate because my mom was playing on that team my oh. sister who was young, younger than me was also playing uh, and some of my aunts and, and other women. So I was I was 13 year, years old, and I was playing with women that were 20, 30 years old, and and that's how I started. Those were my beginnings. And I continued playing with boys until until probably 16, 17. And nowadays, still, when I go to Mexico and you know go visit my my parents, we still go with my siblings to play in the playground where we used to play before in the park where, you know, the soccer field is and yeah. we still go in and, and, and play there because that's how we we grew up, grew up.
0: I love that. And, and I also always love I actually love this because I've I've talked a lot and I think we are all talking more and more about women in sport. I think society is talking more about women in sport. Mm-hmm. And I think one really important thing that has struck me in every conversation or every panel I've heard and now even chatting with you is that we want to advance women in sport, but we cannot do it alone. And we actually, we need to collaborate with men and with, you know, as a young woman, you were already collaborating with the boys. They were making you better, right?
1: Oh, they did. They did because they challenged me, right? They were first making fun of me and I was like, no, I'm going to be better than you. And then they always invited me, you know, they were very welcoming and they, if they would see me outside, they would say, no, come and play with us. You know, and then because they were welcoming, and and they challenged me you know i i was i had always a competitive nature inside myself mm-hmm. and and that I, I love that and then i fall in love with the sport and i continued since then until now i still love to play the game like when i see people playing on the street i want to go and jump
0: in and play with them <laughs> and that's crucial love of the sport to keep us in it right uh, i also what strikes me is throughout your life you had scholarships and uh, you know you found out ways to continue your soccer in your education. Did you have someone advising you? Did you how did you find out about all of those opportunities? I think a lot of people wonder that. Like I'd like to do something like that, but, you know, they feel like they don't know where to go. How did you find people that knew what to do to help you even even to go to the U.S. and to get those scholarships?
1: That's a really good question, Michelle, because, yes, um, you know, I was very fortunate to meet uh, somebody um, and and he's he's my husband today. Um, So he is a good friend or uh, a good friend of my family. And then um, he he had kind of uh, known a little bit about, you know, the path to get some scholarships to the university that I went, ended up going. And when he returned, he did some studies in France, you know, so he knew about some scholarships. And when he came back from France to Mexico, I was about to graduate from high school to university. And then uh, again, he's a very good friend of my family. And then he knew that I was you know, looking for different opportunities. And when he talked to me, he said, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to keep studying and playing soccer at a very high level. And then um, that's when, when we started working together, he provided me some advice for sure. And, um, and then we created a, a plan. We call it Dream Big. That was our, our, our plan. That was our project. And the dream big uh, plan was to um, make all the the planning to go to the U.S. And of course, to go to the U.S., I needed a lot of money, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So together, we found out that I could apply for a a scholarship from the um, state that I was from, the Mexico state. And and we applied for it. We got it. Then once I was able to be there, and, and of course, I always had to work really hard to get good grades. I will always find out in websites, asking people, asking professors about other so- sources of scholarships that, we- that I could apply for. And I was very fortunate, Michelle, that I can tell you all my studies from university to PhD and even the UFO Pro license, which is a very, very exp- expensive license. I was able to fund it through scholarships. Wow. Yeah. And, and it was just looking for them. Of course, yes, having somebody at the beginning that, you know, said, never say that money is the cause why you don't do things. That was something that really told, He told me that. And I was like, are you sure? I always thought that if you don't have money, you can not do it. Right. And he said, no, even if you don't have money, if you look for different options and resources, there are so many scholarships available and many people don't know about it. And now that's what I do with our current players and our current student athletes. I tell them, guys, I was able to fund all my education through scholarships. There are a lot more than you think and look for them, be proactive, apply for them. Sometimes I would be applying for 10, you know, 10 or 12 and I might get one or two, but you know, those one or two were amazing and they helped me fund my education. I didn't have a single debt after my university, master's degree, PhD, uh, because I was able to fund it through scholarships.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I hear you saying to those listening, and I'm hearing it myself, you just have to go for it. You have to go for it. And you cannot sit back and wait for it to come to you because no, they just kidding. won't. So go find it and go get what you want. Now, when you did get what you wanted in that first step going or well, not even your first step, but going to the US, were you, did you find coming from Mexico, were you accepted well were you uh, sort of welcomed with open arms or was that scary for you to go into a different culture from a different country i mean sometimes that doesn't go very well
1: it's a scary michelle i cannot lie to you it's always very scary you know every beginning is very difficult so there were days that definitely i was saying why am i doing this why am i far away from my family when i could be with my mom right and and, and my family making meals for me and all that stuff." Um, but I think that it's, it it really depends on you. You know, it doesn't depend on people. So you're going to a new country. So you are the one who needs to find ways to fit in. You know, you need to find ways to learn the language. You need to find ways to integrate to your, yourself, to the new culture, right? Because not the people in that country are not going to get used to or, or, or adjust to your own culture either. So you have to be open-minded. You have to be, Uh, very willing to be proactive and 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 meet people and talk to people don't be shy right Mm -hmm. and although I didn't speak you know perfect English I I was uh, courageous brave to to speak even if I was making mistakes you know I was like okay I'm sorry if I don't speak properly I'm doing my best and they will find that you know um, good because I was trying I was trying my best to communicate, and and then after doing that, and of course working really hard, right? People see if you work hard and if you care, and I think those two things open open doors for me. And and I always did that. I, I I tried to always learn the language, integrate myself into the culture, and and I worked really hard, you know, um, in 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 the three countries, right, that I have been part of, and I I've lived different from my home country, starting with the US, then Germany, and then the same with Canada, you know, and each beginning was very difficult, very challenging. Um, there were very difficult days that I wanted to go back home, to be honest. Uh, but you know, you have to be and you have to, to um, just endure those challenges. And, and, and then you're rewarded.
0: Yeah, yeah, especially when you're doing something you love so much. I'm amazed that you continued on in, in these languages. I'm still trying to get my head around that. How not only did you succeed and keep pressing forward in what would be difficult in just sport and study, even in your mother tongue, but trying to do that in so many different cultures and environments. Now, how did you continue? What was, what did it look like for you to continue as part of the national team program? in mexico and then all of your schooling and all of that did you did you do both at the same time how did that intersect for you
1: oh my god michelle you're amazing in asking these questions it was very uh challenging too because again uh the culture in mexico was you need to make a decision you know do you want to be an athlete or do you want to be a student that was the thinking at that time right and i receive a lot of pressure sometimes from the national team do you want to be on the national team? Sometimes they were saying you need to leave your studies, right? So I said, I'm not going to leave my studies. So I was able to combine that for about four years, right? From, from 1999 to 2004. But when the, the moment arrived for me that they were pressuring me to make the decision or national team or uh, your studies, I chose my studies. And then is when I finished, you know, my participation with the national team in 2004 And I always told them, I'm sorry, but I I need to continue studying. I would love to do both if you let me. But if you're making me make a decision, I'm going to go for my studies. And that's when I decided I want to continue studying. I want to continue improving. And, um, you know, at some point I said, I'm going to find a way to stay involved in the sport. You know, and and I went first for the uh, pro soccer, right, opportunity so that I could continue playing. Um, Of course, I did the university Soccer and education at the same time. And then I was already thinking when I when I go to the US and I finish my first year, I was intrigued by um, the attention to detail that my coach would put to everything he was doing at Texas. Um, so that started coding my eye, and I was like, I would love to be a coach one day. I would love to know why he does what he does, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so I started taking some coaching courses right after my first year because I, I got really intrigued and really interested about what he was doing and why he was doing it. And at that point, like since I was young until that age, and even through my uh, national team experience, my professional team experience in Germany, I never saw a female coach uh, michelle all my coaches were male coaches so sometimes i was asking can women be coaches because i have never seen one i have never seen one so i was like "I, i i want to be a coach so that more girls uh think that they can do that too you know and then that's how i started the coaching path and the coaching preparations and I think something that was key for me is that I started my coaching education at the same time that I was a player. I didn't wait to retire to then take the coaching courses because it would have been impossible. It would have been impossible if I had done that. But almost, as I told you, when I retire as a player, I had one more year and I had already completed the highest coaching license in the world. And it took me about 10 years from my first one to the highest one in the world. It took me almost 10 years, almost like
0: my PhD, you know, like the whole path to the PhD, I was like, oh my gosh. But that is so unique. I don't think player a lot of players even think about that when they're in the midst of playing. Um, do you ever regret not staying with the national team? Do you ever regret that decision you made doing education and not Going full on 100% to the national team program?
1: You know, I, I would have loved to do both, but I don't think I regret uh, making the decision because that allowed me to be where I am right now. You know, I don't know where I would be if I had just done national team because there are so many things you can control. I always tell our athletes, you know, many of our current athletes want to go pro, you know? And, and, and I always tell them, before you go pro, get your education you know, get your university education because that is like a life insurance. Uh, soccer and sports, I always tell them, they are ephemeral. They can finish like this, right? There are so many things we can control. Injuries, coaches' decisions, you know, club changes, um, financial status of organizations, right? There are so many things we can control and it can finish like this. And if you have no education or you don't have... career it doesn't have to be a university education but you have to have some type of preparation so that you can have a job if if the sports option doesn't work especially in women's sports right now even in in soccer who's you know a sport that is growing so much there are more professional leagues all over the world now but still we cannot live only from sport you know like i know many professional players i was one myself I couldn't live from what I was getting from, from playing pro soccer. I was leaving mainly from my PhD scholarship and I was just supplementing it with my pro contract because it was so small. So like, I wouldn't be able to live with that, you know, and right. that's what I tell our current players. I support you completely, you know, to go pro and I will help you as much as I can to get wherever you want to be but get your education first. And then you can find your path. You can also find scholarships just like I did. And then you can play pro at the same time, you know?
0: Yeah, incredible, great advice. When you went to Germany, Vanessa, did you, you know, so here you are going to Germany. It's not your first language. You're going to learn the language. You're taking these coaching courses. You're a Mexican woman going into a country like Germany, really still trying to learn. Um, were there some that looked at you in what you were trying to do and must have, some of them must have said, what are you doing and you don't belong here?
1: Yes. Many people, when I told them what I wanted to do, what my plan was to go to Germany, I told them, I always told them from the beginning, my plan to go to Germany is to get a PhD in sports science, to get the highest coaching license in the world. And I want to play pro soccer in Germany. Those were my three goals. And many people told me, you're crazy. It's impossible. (laughs) You cannot do that. You know, like if you want to do that in Germany, number one, you need to speak German. And I told them I've been learning German since I am in high school. You know, I started learning English and German um, during my high school years. And my routine, Michelle, this was my routine for three years of high school, 7 a.m. to 2 p.m. high school. I will go home for about an hour just to eat, get my stuff, soccer practice from 4 to 6, and then uh, studying English from 7 to 8 and studying German from 8 to 9. And that was every single day of my high school uh, years, My three years of high school. And, 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 and of course, you know, I, I did it because I, I knew that um, learning languages and, and doing well in school and doing well in my in my sport would open many doors for me. And it was exactly like that, right? If I had not learned the basics of English, the basics of German, you know, during those years, I don't know if I would have been able to then learn the language when I was in those
0: countries. Do you think is there a difference now being in north america you live in north america you've lived in the us you've lived in canada is there a difference was there more of a drive for you to get to places because you're from mexico for me do you think north american kids are are we are we comfortable here we have opportunity here we think we're okay here were you extra driven to find other things in your life and other places to do it
1: i think that maybe a potential difference could be that You know, um, I came from a family that you had, like, they taught us to fight and work hard for everything we wanted. Mm -hmm. You know, nothing was granted. You had to work for it, you know, and I think that that helped me tremendously. And I need to give, you know, full credit to my parents, but especially to my mom, um, because she definitely. I don't know what she did, Michelle. I really believe she's the best mom in the world. And I I wish I could do that for my kid, you know, now that I have one to do the same that she did with us, because she always talked to us and she always explained us, this is good because of this and this and that. This is bad because of this and this and that. You make your own decision. You know, I'm not going to tell you what to do. You need to make your decisions in life. And uh, everything we wanted, she made us work hard for it. And I think that's a huge lesson to learn, you know, because I think sometimes nowadays um, the, new, the the younger generation receives everything so easily, you know, sometimes they don't have to work hard for it. And if you don't work hard for what you have, sometimes you don't value it, right. You don't know how valuable that is. Uh, you don't appreciate it in the same way. You know, if you had to work so hard, if you had to wake up every single day from sending 7 a.m. to 9 p.m. to achieve your dream is completely different if it's granted to you. You Mm -hmm. know, it's paid for you. You didn't have to do any work for it. Um, So I think definitely that had something to do with my drive. And also my passion, right, to to get involved in the sport. Also, of course, we haven't even talked about how difficult it is as a female to get into the world of coaching, right, Um, in soccer and in other sports, too. I think it's not only in in football, in soccer, it's in many other sports, too. Um, But definitely always those challenges, those, those barriers always made me want it more. And when people told me, you cannot do it.
0: It just motivated me more to (laughs) do it, you know. Yes. And I think, I think more people need to know and hear, hear that because we do hear more, I think, from other people. You can't do it than we hear you can. Unfortunately, for some reason, we hear that more than we hear the positive. Yes. And even if we aren't told it as much, it's louder. It's louder for us. Let, let's talk a little more about, about you accomplishing your coaching levels. Now, I think there are a lot of people that wonder sometimes, okay, so you got all your levels. What difference has that made for you? That you have that qualification and coaching certification, and even you could speak to what you learned along the way in that certification process.
1: Well, I can tell you that if I had not gotten those licenses, I wouldn't have this job right now. Wow. So, the, you know, doing that, you know, from when I started my first year of university and going all the way to the UEFA Pro license, I think it was one of the big reasons that I was the one selected for this job, right? Because I had the highest coaching education, also had the, um, you know, the the academic background. Not only, I think one of the minimum requirements was a master's degree here, right? you know? And I was already doing the PhD. I was already a PhD student um, about to, like working in progress for my PhD. And I had already the, the UEFA pro license. So I think that made a huge difference, right? And I had been building... Um, coach education since my university, first year in university in the U.S. I started coaching summer camps every single summer. And in addition, I didn't mention this, but in addition of the scholarships, of course, I also work hard. And every summer I will work as many summer camps, coaching camps as I could. I will save that money and then I will reinvest it in my coaching education. So if, you know, if I had not gotten enough Scholarship money to pay for the next license, I will cover it with you know some money from the coaching I did each summer, and I set my goal as a I set the goal to complete what coaching course every summer uh, mm-hmm. since I started doing it, and that's what allowed me to do the five levels in the U.S. You know I got the highest coaching license in the U.S. Then I went to Germany, I started you know from the bottom. And did the highest license also in Germany because it's also I think it's really important to learn different ways of thinking, different methodologies, you know, different terminologies as well. Um, And then when I came to Canada, I tried to do the same, you know, and take as many courses as I could so that I could keep learning. And each country is different: the organization, the structures, uh, everything
0: is different. So I think we always have to be open uh, to learn yeah and then you really from an educated standpoint can put together your philosophy on coaching can't you and then you can see you aren't just left with, "Well, oh, this is the only one I know." So, exactly. and so this just gives you that breadth of knowledge. So, uh, as you said, you retired from sport and you completed all of your training, and then very quickly, uh, your dream big philosophy, you know, came to Canada. And mm-hmm. like you said, this opportunity came to you. So maybe walk us through that time where you applied for the job. How did that go? What was the process of? becoming a female coach and and you know what were the challenges you felt being a female and then going for this job this big head coaching job at the university of manitoba
1: yes michelle so uh first of all the the process of the application was really really um how can i explain it a lot of things you know so they uh, there were i think 88 or something applications from all over the world like not only canada but from all over the world I think they reduced the candidates to 10 first and then to two. Um, I was lucky to be one of the two and I was, again, in Germany. So my first interview was um, over Skype at that time, right? There was no Zoom at that time. Um, So I think it was a Skype um, call, you know, and um, at that time, Colleen Dufresne was the athletic athletic director at the University of Manitoba. uh, A female athletic director that also is not very common, right? um and she did my interview asked me so many questions and then um you know I think was one of the selected candidates and they brought me from Germany to do an in-person interview and I can tell you that it was probably as much in depth as my PhD uh defense (laughs) so I was like wow really they are very serious about you know this election process because they brought me Um, The plan was from 7 in the morning to almost like 10 p.m. at at night of all different things that we wanted to do. And one of the first ones was to run a practice, you know, in front of them at the indoor complex. They filmed the the practice. And I work with, I think, the um, NDC players of that time, like the players of the regional Excel program. So I'd run the practice with them. They film it. They watch it analyze it then uh, they had me meet the current team and talk to them and make a presentation for the team the whole faculty and the whole selection committee and then i still had an individual like a a a more private meeting with all the members of the selection committee so that was kind of the process and um, then i learned that you know i had been uh, selected to to get the position and of course i was very happy because after i completed the pro license my my goal my dream you know was to really uh, lead a program and it almost from scratch you know and and put you know an own signature uh, in that program and this was a perfect opportunity michelle and i was very fortunate i am very thankful with the university of manitoba i'm very thankful of course with colleen dufrane and also um, we we had uh, a female athletic director at that time at the at the University of uh, Manitoba as well in the faculty of kinesiology and and she helped you know she also and Colleen I think they were key uh, elements and key people that um, you know made the decision for for, for me. Right. And, and I think I, I worked really hard for it. I had the qualifications, the, the preparation, but also they, they, they stood strong that they wanted a female coach and that's why they did an international search, right? They, they made an international, an an international search so that they could find the right person for what they wanted uh, with the women's soccer program here at the university.
0: Incredible. So now you, you sit in this spot In U-sport, are there other female coaches or are you mostly, are most of your colleagues uh, men?
1: So we have 53 universities that compete in women's soccer. And uh, in the last statistics that I saw, I think we had less than eight females in a head coaching position. So it's very low, right? And, 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 And yes, so in the majority of the times, we are you know um, by ourselves and and of course the uh, when i hear that a female coach is hired, for example recently the university of regina hired a female coach um it's really good those are really good news right because this again is female sport and we need to see our new generation seeing female role models because for us It's a lot more difficult to get into coaching with male sports, right? And I know that you have been very fortunate to be able to coach in in men's sport or in boys' sport. Mm -hmm. Um, But for us, it's very difficult to be in those head coaching positions. And if we don't have a, a place to go either in our female sport, where are we going to go?
0: Right. Yeah, you're right. There's so much less crossover the other way. And so in you trailblazing and and you and these other women doing that, what's the difference, do you think, in relating to female athletes as a female coach?
1: I think I cannot tell you if it's better or worse, but I just think that it's useful because you have been on their shoes. You know, you know what you go through and what they go through. Um, So I think we can be more empathetic. You know, we 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 uh, can relate to them. And, and, you know, we coaching women and coaching men is completely different. And I think one of our big characteristics of women is that we are more communicative, you know, we, we pay a lot of attention to the social relationships that are so important, you know, in all female teams. And uh, I just think it's useful. I also have the mentality that not only because you're a female, you deserve a position, you need to be qualified, right? So I'm not even talking about, if you're a female, you deserve it. No, you need to earn it. You know, you can be a female, uh, but you need to be qualified for it. But many times happens, Michelle, that there are really high qualified women that could take the position and then men are selected that have less qualifications and less experience and they are selected. And then that's not fair. You know, so I think it has to be based on quality, education, preparation that you earn it and and that if a female coach is qualified enough, she should be given the opportunity. Why not? You know, and, and society needs those positions and those examples so that the new generation
0: of girls can do that, too. What holds women back, do you think, from taking these leadership positions?
1: Well, Michelle, it's is stressful, right? I'm not going to lie. Definitely uh, coaching is, um, it's very demanding in terms of time, weekends, evenings. And of course, um, you know, now I am a new mom and I can tell you that it's hard to combine it at times, right? You need a lot of support from your partner, from your husband um, to be able to make it. Not all women have that support. And sometimes uh, that's why we might lose many women. Right. Um, So it's not easy. It's a lot of responsibility. Um, But I think, you know, we we need to uh, have more women in those positions, because, because again, if we don't, um, the new generation won't think that they can do that as well.
0: I think that what struck me today in our conversation, Vanessa, is that you started it so young. You started thinking about coaching and and as a viable way to continue your sport. And it wasn't like you gave up any dream of playing. You kept playing as hard as you ever were before Mm -hmm. and would have, and played till as long as you could. But I feel like I have been inspired to say, To those listening, listen, there are other avenues. It's not, oh, well, I couldn't play to the highest level. Maybe now I'll go and try coaching. Why not combine the two and see how you can give back to your sport, even if you you reach the highest of highs, right? And then you're ready to go when you're done. I, I I don't know if I've ever really thought about it in that context. So I thank you for bringing that to light. And that's really, really an incredible thing that you've accomplished. If you do
1: it at the same time, so if you take your coaching uh, certifications when you are still an active player, it helps you to become a better athlete yourself because you start understanding the sport through the eyes of the coach. So I love that because when I started coaching, the coaching courses, it just opened my eyes and I was like, boom, now I understand why my coach was saying this, you know? So it helped me also at the same time To become a better player and at the same time, I was already
0: preparing myself for the next step in my career. Absolutely. And what great collaboration between players and coaches at -hmm. that point, because you're starting to understand each other more. We always want our coaches to understand us when we're athletes. Don't you understand what I'm going through? And yet for players to understand what the coach is going through, incredible step. When you coach your girls now, your, your young female athletes, you have so many of them in your fold. Do you encourage, you must encourage them to, to coach and to think that way and to, you know, to move beyond.
1: Yes. Yes, Michelle. That's, you know, one of the big things why I do what I do. And and one of my dreams now is to motivate and encourage more women to get into coaching. And of course, doing it here at the university of Manitoba is something that I love to do. So something that I've done and again, with the support of the Faculty of kinesiology, as I mentioned, um, Jane uh, Lagowski was the dean of the faculty that uh, helped us, you know, to, to be here today. And uh, we created coaching courses in 2014. So I arrived in 2013. And in 2014, we created two coaching courses. One is a basic coaching course, soccer coaching course, and the other one is an advanced soccer coaching course that I teach every summer. And they are considered elective courses that any student at the University of Manitoba, no matter if you are in engineering or kinesiology or arts, you call it, they can take these courses. And this has allowed me also to to have many of my current players taking the courses. So I can definitely go in detail of teaching them, you know, the theory and the practical aspects of coaching. And they love it, you know, and also it's very helpful for me because once, you know, I go and teach these players, then they are ready to coach in the academy. They are ready to help out in the summer camps. They fall in love with coaching and then they help also with the with their local clubs or with their local high schools. And many of them now, Michelle, are going to high levels. I'm really, really proud of that. And not only coaching, I'm also mentoring them in, in sports science because I'm a sports scientist myself. Right. And I can tell you that right now we have two, uh former bison's um that also did kinesiology and uh now are working with the national teams uh, with the canadian soccer national teams chloe worley our former goalkeeper captain she's the senior scientist of canada soccer so she's working with the senior team and a more recent graduate bruna Mavinier, also you know international she's originally from brazil but started she started in 2013 at the same time that i came And she just got hired at the beginning of the year as the junior sports scientist. And she's working with all the youth national teams for Canada. So I'm super proud of them. You know, we are helping to to bring more women to those positions. Um, And then a current former player also now took an administrative position. She became the athletic director of CMU. Uh, Kara Isaac. So she's there. She was an assistant coach with me too in 2013. So I just love to see these women doing these things now, right? And uh, another example, Haley Lavarias, also a recent graduate. She's now running all the uh, scheduling uh, coordination for youth soccer in Manitoba. Um, So again, great examples, right? And we need more women in those positions. So um, definitely, you know, if I can help a little bit to motivate them, to guide them, to support them when they, they think that they cannot live from that. You know. Tell them, yes, you can, try it. You know. But I always tell them, you need to start early. You need to start during your university years because then if you do it at the same time, when you graduate, you already have the qualifications, the experience and everything to get those positions.
0: But if you wait afterwards, it's too late. So it sounds to me like you're living your dream. You're living the dream. You're, you know, you have these incredible, and what I love so much is how passionate you are for others and for others' success. That is such a great, incredible characteristic of you, Vanessa. And, uh, but is this the dream for you or or do you, you have international experience already? You know, do you want to get there even more as a coach, even more? Are you happy to stay and watch those that you have influenced become more?
1: What I can tell you, Michelle, is that I feel happy here. I feel that I am helping a little bit, you know, in in, in the lives of young women, you know, that are in a, a crucial moment of their life. Right. And if I can help a little bit, if I can guide them, if I can, you know, teach them, because I always tell them I'm not going to teach you only about soccer. You know, it's not only about the sport, it's about life and development for the future, um, and I always tell them that we use soccer as a platform to teach them for life. And for me, you know, of course, we want to win and we're super competitive. And when we lose, of course, we are sad. Uh, but I always tell them you're not going to remember how many wins or how many losses we had. You're going to remember what you learn from this program and and the core values or, or you know, those life skills that you learn here that are going to make the difference in your life in the future. And, and we focus a lot about that, Michelle. And for me you know, these are stories that I'm telling you, I am so proud of them. And and for me, these are my, my biggest wins. You know, that when I see former athletes being successful and achieving their dreams, because Bruna, Chloe, they told me, you know, I want to work in soccer at the highest level. Vanessa, that's my dream. And I told them, you can do it. Yeah. Go get it. You can do it. And start here. Do your masters. Then work with the team. And both of them Uh, We're assistant coaches and strength and conditioning coaches with our team, they got their experience at the same time right and then when they graduated they already had
0: the experience to be hired for those positions just continuing on. We've gotten so much out of your story, Vanessa, and we're so glad that you are here in Manitoba making this difference. And I know you feel like you're doing a little bit, but you're doing a lot and we can see it and we can feel it. And that's one of the reasons we really wanted to spend time really in your presence, you know, in your midst. How's that for heroes in our midst? We're going to spend a little more time with you just running through some of these rapid fire questions. Sure. So, Here's the first one. Who or what do you think people see when they see you? And is there something different you wish they would see?
1: Oh my gosh. That's such a great question, Michelle. I think, you know, when I talk to people, they always tell me that they see my passion and, and, and I always say that I'm super passionate. So I think that's really, really uh, visible. And, and I love that because I've always been that way. You know, when I like something and, and I just go for it, right? And, and as I told you, even when the kids were inviting me and, and, and I loved it, and even when society at that time was saying, no, that's not for girls, it's not for women. I was like, I love this. I want to do it. I don't care what you think. Um, so I think passion for sure. And uh, something that I would like for them to see that it's not easy, you know, like being here is not like it comes from from the sky and you're in this position and and and, and it just was given to you. It has been a lot of hard work, like lots of sacrifices, lots of, um, you know, crying nights sometimes and sometimes where you feel like I can not do this, you know, but somehow you find strength to do it. So
0: I think some people don't think that you go through those things, especially if you present so passionate and positive. It's almost like when you present passionate and positive we need to do that right because of some of those hard nights and those hard times when you just have to get through that i love that what is something people would be surprised to know about you (laughs) that i love piano
1: (laughs) that you know i think that if i had not been a soccer player I would have been a, a, a pianist. Um, I love piano. I, of course, now I don't have a lot of time to devote to it. But I think maybe when I retire, I'm going
0: to go and study piano as much as I can. <laughs> and you'll probably excel at it. That would be great. I'll be waiting to hear you play. Oh,
1: you, you
0: bet. What exhausts you?
1: Oh, my gosh. It exhausts me when I cannot give time for myself. You know, mm. I, I am a very active person. So if, you know, sometimes I'm just so busy and I cannot exercise, that makes me very,
0: very exhausted. And what energizes you? Exercise.
1: <laughs> just moving, doing something, being outside. Um, just having that time for myself is, is is crucial. And I love to either work out in the morning, you know, even if it's an elliptical workout or a walk or a run or a swim. Um, I just love to exercise and it's my time to reflect, to, to just think, you know, about how I feel and, 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 and it helps me to recover my, my energy.
0: For sure. What was a moment of intense joy that you have experienced in your life?
1: The birth of my, my son. I think that there's no better moment that I can describe, you know, when I, I heard his, his scribe. I was like, this is the happiest moment of my life. <laughs> <laughs> I love yes, that. for sure.
0: Who are two or three people who influenced you and how did they impact your life? For sure, my mom,
1: Michelle. I will say uh, she's the first person, you know, that I will mention um, because she taught us so much, so much, Michelle, and, and how she did it is just unbelievable. She had four kids. I have one and I'm, you know, barely making it. <laughs> she had four Uh, was working three jobs and completed a PhD already when she had four of us. Um, I I just don't know how she do it, how she did it, but she is my hero. And one day I would like to become a mom like her. But uh, she taught me so many lessons, um, kept me humble, kept me going you know kept me, kept me uh, wanting to to work and, 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 and drive for what I wanted to achieve no matter what other people were saying and and she's a psychologist
0: so probably she knows you know how the mind and behavior works mm-hmm. but definitely my mom you mentioned your son I, I think sometimes when we're women in sport to women in coaching and this is just an extra thought i want to i want to ask you about and i'm a mom of you know two boys now that i've grown you know they grew up with me coaching them and mm-hmm. and things like that but still now with others coaching them and I, I think women feel because we have families because we have children that's when a lot of women stop coaching or stop being involved in sport What do you think are going to be the positives for your son because you are a female in sport?
1: Oh, my God, Michelle. I can tell you that he's already benefiting from it because since he was born, he has been around the team. So he like his social skills are out of this world. Like everybody tells us, how come he's always smiling? He's always happy. He's so friendly with everyone. So we go anywhere. It can be. Grocery store, it could go anywhere. He's saying, hi, bye-bye, bye-bye. He greets everyone, no matter who that person is. And, And I think he benefits from that, right? To be around people, to be on, you know, walking on the field sometimes, of course, finding the right moments. To do it, but uh, I think it's very beneficial for him to be around a sporting environment, to be around athletes, because he sees, oh, you know, I want to be an athlete in the future, or I might want to coach like mom does. Um, but I think um, the environment of sport in general is really good for kids, you know, mm-hmm. because that keep, sport keeps them away from bad things, yes. right? And and that's what we want. And of course, in the university environment. I will always encourage academics and sports, you know, because if you combine both with excellence, then your opportunities are exponentially grown. And and, and that's something that I would like my son, uh, Miguel, Miguelito, we call him little Miguel in Spanish. Miguelito is something we would like to for for him to learn and to grow in this environment.
0: Yeah. I love hearing that. I I wanted to ask of the positive so that, there's that spin on it. It is a good thing. It's not just okay. And it's not just that you can do it. It's a positive for our children and for those who look up to us as mothers and as women in sport, and even for boys to see like, oh, how I interact with women is important because there are strong women who lead and who are right in our sphere. And we need to all do this together. Vanessa, you've just led us to so many things and so many thoughts and told an inspiring story of Mm -hmm. never ending passion, of never ending effort and just how much you wanted something and you believed in it and you made it come true and, and you've just given us sort of a good guide on, especially young people, you know, who will hear this and say, I see what she did and I see what's now possible. All the best Vanessa, thank you for leaving us your story you are certainly a hero in our midst and we are so glad that you could join us. Thank you
1: Michelle thank you so much for the invitation and I love your podcast and keep doing this okay keep telling the stories of the amazing people we have here in manitoba because i came here also because of the people i can tell you that i've met some of the best people in my life here and we're so fortunate to have such a friendly uh, province and so many amazing people here so thank you for telling the stories of all of them
0: dr vanessa martinez lagunas head coach of the university of manitoba bison's women's soccer team with a story of her own, complete with big dreams, breaking down barriers and blazing a trail for so many young women who will follow in her footsteps. Thank you to Elite Sports Injury for bringing us this inspiring episode. Elite with five locations in Winnipeg, they are here when you need physiotherapy or massage therapy, your body's worth it. Make the time for yourself. If you enjoyed today's story, share it with your friends. Subscribe to hear more and check out all of our past episodes along with some great resources at drtoogood.com. Thanks for listening. I'm Michelle Sawatsky-Coop. We'll talk again soon.